The Denver Nuggets take a 2-0 lead in the Western Conference Finals. This game was absolutely nuts. We break it all down on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Woo, this game was crazy. Welcome to Locked On NBA. I am your host, Walker Mail. I am alongside Hayes Johnson, the host of Locked On Bulls. We appreciate you hopping on with us here today. You can find me on Twitter, by the way, at Walker Mail. Find Hayes on Twitter, at CEO Hayes. The first time we've ever hosted a show together. I'm excited. The background looks extremely good. Mine's not too great, but hopefully everybody will still welcome me all the same. This <laughs> game was absolutely nuts, Hayes. 108. 103, the Denver Nuggets win against the L.A. Lakers. We'll break it all all down in the next couple of segments. First, I did want to mention that this episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA, and when you enter promo code LockedOnNBA, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every single order. Um, This game, I think we have, like, there's two ways for, for me to, we're trying to think of where to start this. Like, was it Jamal Murray just going bonkers in the fourth quarter? Or was it LeBron James giving up six points, getting stripped at the very end? Like, J Jamal Murray is the main storyline here. This game was nuts all around. But what Jamal did was very Jason Tatum, Philly game six-esque, where I almost think Jamal was, was even better after having an awful first three quarters, scoring over 20, hitting huge threes, Jamal dug deep after he looked extremely gassed and they're able to squeak this one out here. Hayes, what did you think? Yeah, it was one of those games that from, from the opening minutes, it just, it had a different feel. You know, you were going to be in for a doozy. The Lakers go out to six and oh, six Oh lead to start this game. Diver immediately comes marching back and it's just like, okay, no, this is going to be a game. And then a little before the first half ends, LeBron has that wide open dunk that he fumbles. And it's just like, Hey, this, this, this is going to be a game. But like you said, the story of this game really comes down to Jamal Moore Murray in that second half, specifically that fourth quarter. He was on another level. He was unconscious. And it just goes to show that you can you can overlook no player at this level when you're when you're this far into the playoffs because all it takes is one player to get hot. And you know, Roy Hachimura had a big game or big first half for the Lakers. But nothing that the Lakers could do was enough for what Jamal Murray did in the second half of this game. Yeah, so so he was bad on both ends for the first three quarters of this game. And I have yeah. my notes where it just it went crazy. So five of six from three in the fourth, all huge three-pointers, big-time mid-range after the Lakers had a little run of their own to try to close this one up. And then even Murray started playing better defensively, too. He had the defensive tip coming off of ball after the game. Um uh, was starting to close out, and then that tip led to a Bruce Brown three. Denver went on a 20-5 to run in the fourth quarter, and then MPJ had an inbound violation that allowed the Lakers to actually have Anthony Davis hit a corner three, who also struggled offensively in this game, started to come alive a little bit more in the fourth quarter. But yeah, this was, this was a huge game, right? Like when you're talking about Jamal Murray actually bouncing back from having an atrocious first three quarters. You could see everybody was talking about just how fatigued he was. Mm -hmm. And I know there were, I guess, some reports about how he wasn't feeling very well. I, I don't know how hush mouth that was, but he looked it. And just going, I mean, hitting tough threes too. And the other thing is, Nikola Jokic wasn't scoring at all in the fourth. 
Yeah. NBA Twitter was so ready for the Lakers to take over once they were going to try to rest Jokic at the beginning of the fourth. And then inevitably they would go down by like seven points, but it didn't happen just because Jamal was playing so well. I think that was huge, Hayes. The fact that Jokic wasn't scoring and yet still Denver was able to squeak this one out. Lakers not able to take advantage of a Jokic scoreless fourth. I, I that That's nuts. Like I, I didn't expect that to be the way that Denver would be able to win this game. Yeah, it, it, the Denver Nuggets are almost more dangerous sometimes when Jokic doesn't have to score. When he is able to be a facilitator down the stretch of a game, that means that MPJ, that means that Murray, that means that somebody has it going. And when that happens and it allows Jokic to kind of pick his spots, and it even it wasn't even picking his spots this this game. Like it, that 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 would be a large overstatement to say he was just picking his spots. He just he didn't have to score. It it was the, the it was not on him. He was able to facilitate. He was able to 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 kind of be a decoy at times and you know you can never ease up off Jokic so when you have the other any other player on this team getting hot you still have to keep a man on Jokic because if you were to try to double Murray which they did sometimes Jokic got right to the middle to the teeth of the defense and no one could do anything and so it's it, the different Nuggets are such an interesting team just with how versatile Jokic can be and uh this was one of those games that brought it all home I was looking at some of the stats going into this game from the Lakers and just to see, I thought there was, I thought this was going to be the Rui game that we would point to and say, okay, he was the reason that the Lakers were able to win because mm -hmm. they were the better team. Certainly after the first quarter, first half altogether, it looked like they were going to be able to get this win on the road. So it was an awesome Rui game, certainly in the first half. We've seen D'Angelo Russell step up. He was the guy against Golden State. We had the Lonnie Walker game against yeah. Golden State. Austin Reeves has been awesome this postseason all along. Schroeder had the game one performance against Golden State. But then you look at the role players for Denver. Bruce Brown was huge in this yeah. contest. Hit big shots down the stretch as well. You're talking about defensively. Bruce Brown was also playing very well. And MPJ did the whole no, no, yes shot thing that he always mm -hmm. does because yeah. he's just taller and can shoot over everyone. He hit monster shots down the stretch. So I thought it was going to be, all right, this is just where LeBron James might be struggling a little bit after he missed some gimmies. Anthony Davis doesn't have it going offensively, but they're able to dig deep with some of the role players playing better. But it was Denver that stepped up in that regard, and here they were able to win 108-103. I, I, I just, Bruce Brown, Michael Porter Jr., is there anybody else you want to showcase or one of those guys I mentioned in particular that you thought really played well? Well, I, I mean, Bruce Brown, it's just he fi always finds a way to impact the game, whether it is his shot falling or something. And I, I really just enjoy that type of player. I've always been kind of inclined to, to liking that type of player in basketball that's just, just just finds a way to get it done. You wouldn't necessarily look at Bruce Bowen and say he's a knockdown shooter or anything like that, but he can get into that when he gets into his groove. He can get unconscious sometimes, but he always finds a way to find to, to make a positive impact for his team more times than not. And it just came down to the role players stepped up more and more consistently in the game for Denver than what the Lakers role players were. Yeah, Roy Hodge had a great game. And yeah. one thing that I do love about Darvin Ham, as much as I'm not a Lakers fan, is that he does allow players to earn a spot, right? Like if even if you've had a bad couple of games, you come in, you 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 play well, you get hot. He's going to go to you. We saw with the Lonnie Walker game. We saw with this game. Uh, he's even talked about maybe even inserting Rory into the starting lineup. And I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if we maybe see that change next game as they try to bring in some different energy. Because right now, the depth of the Denver Nuggets is killing the Lakers.
Well, and, and you look at game one, I think it was game one against Memphis where it was Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves as the two leading scorers. And they were able to get that victory, but it was also a good game from Anthony Davis, LeBron James as well. Like mm-hmm. Anthony Davis in this one, four of 15, only 18 points, had 14 rebounds, four assists, came alive in the fourth, and also nine of 11 from the free throw line. I mean, that's what kept the Lakers in it when Denver went on that huge run. Those free throws that they were able to tally up was huge. They were 23 of 26 from the line. But you look at Denver, Jamal Murray knocked down nine of 10 after they just kept fouling him, fouling him. They were 16 of 18 to be able to create that cushion and hold steady, ending up getting that victory. But when we go back to game one against Memphis, you know, getting sidetracked there, Hey, you, you see, I, I thought it was going to happen again. And then LeBron James just kept settling for threes. He was 0 of 6 from the three-point line. You could see when he was attacking, they were better. But even then when he was attacking, here we are talking about some of the layups. It's just, if, if you're LeBron and Hachimura isn't scoring like he was at all in the first, you're relying so much on Austin Reeves, like even more than Anthony Davis and yourself as LeBron, even though he had the good third quarter. Yeah, that that's where if if they lose this series, they're going to look back at this game and think that was the moment where we could have taken control, stealing a game on the road, doing that whole cliche thing. And LeBron is going to look at the missed opportunities. AD is going to do the same. And that one's going to hurt like because you you can tell LeBron feels it. it. It just feels like this. This is a team that could absolutely win it. Denver has played extremely well all postseason long, but that this game two performance, that one's going to hurt this Lakers team if they end up losing this thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. LeBron just, I know he's only on, I think, the stat sheet for three turnovers, but it just felt like so much more than that. And, and that last just, one was huge. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> it just, it was the, the the impact of the turnovers, I guess, hit worse than, than the actual number itself. But yeah, they're going to look back at this game and absolutely kick themselves for sure. All right. Let's talk more about Bird Dogs. This episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Excellent pants and shorts. I know my co host got them. I have not gotten my pair yet. So I'm hoping to get them because the fit, the comfort, the versatility, it's all fantastic. Fantastic. You can look better and feel great wearing bird dogs. Their stretchy fabric makes legs look fantastic. They're comfier than any other shorts and pants as well. And they're versatile too. So you give, they give you the freedom to wear one pair of shorts or pants on the golf course, maybe to a meeting, maybe to a date, hanging out with friends. Doesn't really matter. You make the call. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA. And when you enter promo code locked on NBA, They'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every single order. Thanks again to BirdDogs.com. All right, I pitched this game to you at the beginning before we started to go on air. Mm. This game was crazy, as we've mentioned a million times. I've got a drug stuff counter just because this game <laughs> seemed to be on drugs. Yeah. And so here's here's a few things that, I, that were a little bit odd, uh, maybe a little bit more abnormal than usual. Um, Reggie Jackson minutes. That was interesting. Reggie Jackson saw a few. I saw so many people going like Reggie Jackson, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point. So Reggie entered the game. Uh, We got Flop City, which that's what I want to get your opinion on. What do you make of Nikola Jokic and LeBron James trading? uh, I mean, just huge. Oh, my God. I can't believe you would do that to me. Flops at the end of this game, trying to create every single advantage for their team. (laughs) I would have to say this. Um. (laughs) <laughs> was it Matt Ishbia-esque? Was it better than Ishbia? 
I, I think I think everybody around the league's been watching Matt Ishby, and they yeah. they've tried to ad- adapt some to that game. Jokic has definitely learned from that incident. That's for sure. It was it, it was so funny to see a flop gate. It is, I guess is what I call it. It's like everybody's trying to out flop each other now. It's I hate that part of the game. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, and well, and and yeah, Nicole Jokic. It's funny because they would smile at each other. Like yeah. LeBron was smiling too at the officials. They all know the gamesmanship behind it, even though they try to sell it like hell to the officials and, and I, I the the lebron james stuff more so missing that breakaway missing that layup in the second quarter as well yeah and then getting the steal i mean monster play at the end of the like towards the end of the fourth quarter where denver is really just trying to dribble the air out of the basketball get fouled go hit your free throws nicola doesn't go meet the basketball lebron goes gets it excellent defensive read and then drives baseline and misses a complete bunny i it was so weird like did this feel like lebron the aging king james because we've seen it at times in the postseason but this one was tough to watch for me hayes like that you just expect so much from him and then when he gets that steal you're like all right it's winning time here's where lebron shows up and then he misses the bunny at the rim I, th- that just goes to show kind of the point we we're talking about in the first segment where it's going to kill them when they look back if they lose the series. Yeah, I mean, this is this is LeBron James being mortal, right? That's what it is. He, he's, he's a mortal now. And mm-hmm. I, we, we're so used to seeing LeBron James in moments like this when he gets the steal or, or gets those opportunities for, for him to be almost 100% in those that now to see a game like this in which – he just didn't convert the, the plays that we just usually see be gimmies for LeBron just didn't go through. And um, yeah, I mean, LeBron is just, he he's human now and, and it's unfortunate, but that is why you see the Lakers need the team that they do around LeBron. Uh, LeBron three, four years ago, doesn't make those mistakes. The Lakers win this game tonight. Yeah, it's, yeah, I, I it's, it was weird to watch. It was, uh, it, it just go to show you that it, it, it is kind of like LeBron being mortal again. Um, how about Austin Reeves banking in a three while LeBron was tying his shoes on the other end? <laughs> so real interesting call that I didn't know if they were going to go with a timeout or not. And they were playing four on five. And I didn't know if LeBron was going to do the thing where he milks the time a little bit, then tries to get the timeout. Or if they were just going to try to force up a shot, I, it was a panic shot almost, right? Like LeBron's yeah. at the very end. It's pretty early in the shot clock. And you're just like waiting for LeBron to do the jog thing, maybe with 10 seconds left on the, <laughs> on the shot clock and get back in the frame. But Austin Reeves just throws it up, banks it in. Uh, that was a, a hilarious offensive possession. That was also a, a huge shot for them. I mean, that's what also allowed them to stay in this game. Yeah. And then we mentioned the zero points for Jokic in the fourth for, you know, forever. It was weird. I didn't even realize he didn't have a basket until Jeff Van Gundy mentioned it on the call. And then I did want to mention Van Gundy one more time because he was so angry in the first quarter. <laughs> Would not let it go when the officials decided to call the flagrant foul on yeah. D'Angelo Russell against Jamal Murray. I didn't think it was. I Look, I know he hit him on the face. I, I didn't think it was flagrant. I, di- I didn't hate it as much as Jeff Van Gundy did. I don't think anybody did. Um, but, man, uh, awesome JF, uh, JVG game because also at the end, did you hear the weird moment where he was calling for the second half stats for KCP and then they just – wouldn't give it to him. <laughs> yeah. And so Mike Breen didn't know what to do. So he's yeah. like, look at KCP just clapping for everybody over there on the bench and being a high energy guy. What are his second half stats? Mike Breen's like, uh, 
I don't know. I, <laughs> the second half stats around here. I thought this was an excellent JVG game. Yeah, uh, Jeff Van Gundy is hilarious. I, and don't get me wrong. Like, I, I, I love him and hate him sometimes on commentary. It really just depends on the game. But he was in rare form tonight. Yeah, he was. And it started early. Like, it, it yeah. started early. Like I said, the, the, the whole feeling and vibe of this game was all told within, like, the first three to six minutes of the game. And you knew Jeff Van Gundy was in for a night. He played the, the crotchety old man at points in time. He was hilarious at points in time. It was just, it was a great JV uh, G night for sure. Um, all right. Let's look at some of the other uh, stat lines here in the box score that are important to point out. So you look at Denver, Aaron Gordon, 10 points, five of yeah. nine from the field for him. Michael Porter Jr. Going for 16 points, four of seven from three point range. Kind of did the whole no, no, yes thing with MPJ. And Jokic, even if he's not scoring late, you mentioned it, 23 points, 17 rebounds, 12 assists. That's a triple-double. Uh, five turnovers, just incredible what he's doing. And, and the Jamal Murray fourth quarter was what allowed him to have 37 after I, – I didn't – I mean, I didn't know if they were going to be able to win this game because Jamal was that bad. And if Jokic was going to have to rest a little bit, uh, everybody was tired. Like, it, it's game two. And everybody mm -hmm. was completely exhausted doing the whole Jimmy Butler leaning over the scores table or or at the rim meme. Like, I, I wonder, is this going to come down to just who has the younger guys? Like, I mean, it, it, it's, it seems like both of these teams are tired, but Jamal Murray dug deep. If he can play like that tired, then you got to favor the, se uh, the series for Denver, of course, on top of the 2-0 advantage that they're able to accumulate. Yeah, I mean, I think it's key that in, in game one, uh, they had the big lead going into the fourth quarter and the Lakers were able to get that down, make that a, uh, interesting yeah. game down the stretch. You have the, uh, this game that was interesting throughout. And while, yes, you know, you get the Murray game that, that he plays great in the fourth quarter, you get players to step up for, for Denver, I'm just worried that eventually that they're going to run out of gas and if the Lakers start catching a stride, it may be difficult for them to get it back. I'm still going to pick Denver to win this series wholeheartedly. But I'm, I just – because the, the Lakers do have some younger guys, and they have some younger guys coming off that bench as well that are trying to right. prove something. And I just worry that if we keep getting into this area where it just it's this close in the fourth quarter – that it's going to take an Austin Reeves or Rui Hachimura or, God forbid, Anthony Davis actually show up for a game uh, that, you know, that it may push them over Denver. And then how does Denver rebound from that? that that's, I guess, what I'm still picking Denver to win the series overall. But for sure. Denver's done enough in fourth quarters where they've kind of allowed the Lakers to get in. And then I'm just worried that it may not it may not go the way that they think, especially as they get ready to go back to because I refuse to call it a crypto arena uh, back to Staples because I'm still calling it. It's, it's a good call. <laughs> I, I don't do that either. Um, well, yeah, and the other thing, too, is so Denver goes up 2-0. They win both of their games at home. Mm -hmm. We know just how good Denver has been at home. On the road, they've been more susceptible. We saw it against Phoenix. Everybody wrote Phoenix off. The Suns, they come back. They win those two games tied up 2-2 apiece. And then, of course, they drop the, the last two and get destroyed um, even, on, even at, on their home court. You look at their series against Minnesota. That was the lone loss in that series. Of course, it was on the road. So with them having home court advantage, it's going to be tough to see anybody beating them. But again, that's why you looked at the first half of this game, Hayes. So different from game one because Denver scored all the points. And then everyone was talking about how the Lakers had found something at the end of that game with a different way to defend Jokic. Mike Malone came out and said, you know, we're up 1-0. And everyone's talking about how they cracked the code with Roy Hachimura. Like, that's going to be the big thing that destroys us. But defensively, 
half court defense, I think they were playing well. Transition defense for LA was atrocious, and and Denver was able to have a couple of outlet passes from Jokic that that got them some easy buckets. But what did you make of the whole storyline at the end of game one? All right, Lakers really found something. It mm. was a different style of game, and then the fourth quarter happened. Jamal just goes crazy. But it, but it did seem like they had a better defensive game plan. It's just L.A. couldn't score either with LeBron struggling and A.D. not having a good offensive game. Yeah, I agree. It, it's 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 you, you didn't you got 18 points, 415 from Anthony Davis in this game. LeBron goes nine of 19, even though he has 22 points like uh, either one of those guys having a better fourth quarter overall. This game is even more interesting than what it was down the stretch. Um, I just don't get me wrong. Denver's playing a really great defensive scheme, and I like what they're doing of trying to take the ball out of people's hands. I, I like what they're doing, almost say, daring the role players to say, you guys beat us. And they've won that so far. But I've seen Austin Reeves absolutely go nuclear against teams. And when he has, if he has that type of game in LA, with the way that even with the solid defense Denver's been playing, I just I think they're gonna Lakers are gonna steal a game. And and how Denver then responds after that LA win, that's what's gonna tell the series to me. All right, so you have Miami and Boston battling it out on the other side. Miami took game one. Jimmy Butler's going nuts this postseason as well. Yeah. Denver obviously playing extremely well this entire postseason too. It to me, look as, as well as Miami is playing with Jimmy Butler, right? Even just mm. specifically him. Probably Jimmy now that Devin Booker's out of the postseason. It's Jimmy and Nikola Jokic who are playing the best out of everybody, just night in, night out. Just putting the team on their back in some cases. Jamal yeah. doing it in these Western Conference Finals a little bit too with Denver. Are you favoring Denver for the whole thing? Like to me, it feels like their time. I mean, it just. If, if you're talking about, okay, who performed better in the regular season? Clearly mm -hmm. Denver over Miami. Those are the two best players right now with Jimmy and Nikola Jokic. Boston, they just have the games where you scratch your head and are trying to figure out what they're doing. And so I don't know if I put 100% trust in Boston, even if I, I still think they're going to win that series and actually represent the East in the NBA Finals. But Miami's, you know, they've been the, the zombies, as some people have called them. <laughs> it, does it feel like Denver's time to you to win this whole thing? It, it, I, it's difficult. That's strong. I, I can't pick Denver to to beat either team in the East. Like, I, well, I'd pick them to beat Miami, Boston. Yeah, I just don't see it. I don't see it. You trust them more than I do right now? Yeah, I think I do. I think I do. I, like, even though they've had their faults, they've had their issues, but I just it's so Jokic driven, and and that Boston team can be so balanced at times, and they can kick it up a different uh, intensity defensively. If Boston can get past Miami, it'd be difficult for me to pick any team over them at that point. Um, all right, let's go to some teams that aren't in the playoffs. Some, uh, well, to be honest with you, I'll cell phone both of us. Some teams that we talk about on a daily basis. Uh, <laughs> and they have brothers on their teams. Too, that, that's correct, yes. Um, yeah, both injured, both often injured, by the way. Uh, and, and even so, even with LaMelo experiencing multiple ankle injuries, three, and playing 36 games, it looks a lot worse for Lonzo, which I hate. I would love to see Lonzo Ball play again. I'm sure all the Bulls fans would as well. Yeah. Um, the reason we're bringing it up, though, is because the NBA draft lottery, the results were in on Tuesday. And look, Lockdown Hornets, we're going to be talking a lot about the second overall pick. Does it feel to you like the draft actually starts with the Charlotte Hornets, of course, with Wimby expected and is all it's guaranteed that he's going to go number one? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's 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 a lot of good talent in this draft, but there's one generational talent that's Wimby. So yeah, it starts at number two, and uh, the question there whether the Hornets go Scoot Henderson or, or Brandon Miller. What 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 would you like to see the Hornets? I mean, that's your team. Yeah. Uh, do you think they go Scoot, bring in another point guard, uh, especially with Lamelo? What's going on with, with Melo? Do you think they go Brandon Miller? What's your what's the vibe? What's the vibe you get there? Uh, uh, well, so I mean, all the reporting right now is Brandon Miller. Mm. I, I'm not buying it yet just because so many reports remember how much of a surprise it was at the end when Paolo Boncaro was the number one overall pick and the Vegas yeah. odds were changing at the very end. It was like a couple of days out, maybe even just a day. And it was like, oh, OK, wait, Paolo is going to be the pick instead of Jabari Smith, who was favored to go to Orlando for so long. I, I still think Scoot Henderson is the guy. And I love the way LaMelo Ball and Scoot Henderson pair up together. Mm -hmm. Look, there. You're, you're going to look at the Charlotte Hornets. You're going to look at the wings, lack thereof, and you're going to think, okay, LaMelo's the point guard. So it just makes sense to do the old-fashioned team-building exercise and go, you got your point guard, you got your big guy of the future in Mark Williams, or at least you hope so. Let's just go ahead and put somebody out there on the wing and Brandon Miller, boom, you're good. But if Scoot Henderson is the better overall prospect, I think he is. Some people don't. Some people think it's Brandon Miller after the year he had. I'm still going Scoot because he provides rim pressure. That's something LaMelo struggles with. He's awesome in the mid-range. LaMelo's a way more three-point shooter. The guy just averaged over 10 attempts per game. He was chucking it this season when he did play. You're talking about great uh, – you're, you're talking about, like, somebody that actually has 100% motor, especially on the defensive end. Mm -hmm. And and I don't – like, Scoot Henderson, I think his defense is good. And I think even if he is 6'2", we see good 6'2 defenders all the time. I think the size is a little overstated on how teams yeah. might hunt him. He's still thick enough. He's still big enough that he's not going to be any pushover. I don't think he's going to be hunted down. I think both of those guys match up really well as some secondary or second side creator for whether it's Scoot with the ball in his hands or even LaMelo on the other side. I, I love the idea of a dynamic backcourt like that. So I think it's going to be Scoot, and then Brandon Miller will be there for Portland to take, which seems it seems like it's going to be Wimby one, scoot brandon any kind of combination two three is that how you see it yeah i mean i think it gets interesting as well when you talk about portland's reportedly trying to shop that pick to see what they can get to to go on another run with dame which i still think that's a mistake there i think they should be looking to move dame uh but yeah, it's going to be a combination of those three players there at one two three regardless of who picks there if they end up moving the pick or not i think that when you look at at scoot and I, the reason why I have Scoot so far above Brandon Miller is just the the athleticism that he has. He has high-level, top-of-the-league athlete, level athleticism. And like you said, yeah, he's 6'2", but he has the wingspan. He's strong, uh, and and he, he doesn't shy away from contact. I, I think he projects to be a fine defender at the next level. It may take yeah. some time for him to acclimate to the speed of the game that he's going to get to. But um, to me, it's it's – it's Wimby for sure. Then I have Scoot slightly above Brandon Miller, but Brandon Miller has a heck of a ceiling himself as well. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And and if, you know, it's funny, just talking about it daily, I keep saying it's going to be disappointing to me if they don't get Scoot, but also it's, it's Brandon Miller who had a fantastic year at Alabama. I still abide by the rule of Scoot being the number one pick in a lot of other NBA drafts that yeah. don't include Wimby. And so I just have never been taken off of that people are going to point to the g league stats i get it the three-point shot's not there i understand it i just watched that guy play 
I love his pick and roll decision making. I think him working alongside LaMelo, Mark Williams as somebody that really came on very strong as soon as he entered the rotation post Christmas. He was awesome. Like he had the he had similar numbers to the other centers that we liked out of that NBA draft and Walker Kessler and Jalen Duran the years that they had. So mm-hmm. Mark just was a little late to the party because he was down in Greensboro. Once he came out, he was fantastic for Charlotte. So they're starting to build a decent core. And I do think Scoot alongside LaMelo would give you among the best backcourt duos in all of the NBA. Um, Hayes, last thing before we ended today, I was looking. So no first round pick for Chicago. You don't have that this year. And uh, please go check out the latest episode of Lockdown Bulls. I don't know if it's the latest, but it's within the last couple because I was checking it out and dying at the intro because you guys couldn't stop laughing. (laughs) You guys couldn't figure out why Chicago might want to run things back without getting any outside help. And they're waiting for Lonzo to be healthy when that injury report, you know better than me, that injury report looks about as awful as it can possibly get. Is this going to be a team that's going to look largely and, and maybe even identical next year to what they did this past season? The pain in my soul. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. It, it, <laughs> yes. I, unfortunately, I do think that the more likely scenario for the Bulls is they just run it back. And I, for the life of me, can't understand. And I feel like the Bulls have gotten so, and some of us fans as well, got so enamored with that stretch that we had when we were the number one team in the East when Lonzo was playing. And I think people forget we weren't really playing top-of-the-line competition. It took two game winners against two teams that ended up finishing at the bottom of the league yeah. Uh, during a nine-game winning streak. So it's like, I, I I get it. Like, Lonzo is a heck of a talent, and he does help this team so much if he's there. But he, he has a – the diagnosis of that is at least an 18-month return time. And Lonzo's a player that historically has come back slower than the average, and he only has 24 months left on this contract. To me, it's so it's so silly to wait on Lonzo Ball to come back. It's just, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And yeah, man, it's tough. I, I want to see him play, but yeah, it doesn't make any sense to to actually kind of hone in on that and expect him to return. So those are some of the storylines at the top of the NBA draft. It really starting with Charlotte because we all know Wemby's going to go number one. Are they going to take Scoot Henderson? Are they going to take Brandon Miller? Who's that going to leave for Portland? Which, as you mentioned, it might be better suited for them to trade Damian Lillard if not then is Brandon Miller and Dame enough to resurrect something else with the help of some outside guys and free agency? How else do you get Portland towards the top as much as you can if you're going to hold on to Damian Lillard? That'll do it for Locked On NBA. You have the Boston-Miami game going on tomorrow, or excuse me, this uh, this evening as this podcast will be airing on a Friday. So 7.30 p.m. tip on TNT. Miami and Boston will be going at it for game two. Should be a lot of fun. Locked On NBA will have that breakdown for you all on Monday. That is Hayes. You can follow him on Twitter at CEO Hayes. And also make sure you go check out the Locked On Bulls podcast to see how they're going to build their roster or maybe not just run it back this past offseason uh, or just like they did this past regular season. <laughs> Hayes, this was fun, man. Appreciate you hopping on with me. Absolutely. Thank you, Walker. Absolutely, man. All right, that'll do it. Thanks for making Locked On NBA your first listen. Make sure you check out Game to Game NBA every moment, every top performance, every result as well. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the league with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Have a great weekend. Locked On NBA will be back with you Monday.